Hi, and welcome to the Official Laughs Podcast. My name is Samantha Tams, and along with Estefania Lacayo, we founded the Latin American Fashion Summit, a global platform for Latin American fashion and design. Our podcast sessions aim to enrich the industry. We sit down with designers, entrepreneurs, leaders, and newcomers, and share their powerful stories with you. Thank you for being here, and we hope you enjoy the following conversation. Today, our special guest is Isabel Espinosa, a lawyer by profession, entrepreneur by heart, and founder of the well-known Colombian swimwear brand, Baobab. Baobab is a restorative brand that specializes in designing statement swimwear and resort wear. Turning waste into iconic pieces, almost every garment is made out of plastic and fishnets found in the sea. For every piece sold, the brand rehabilitates coral reefs throughout the Caribbean Sea, liberating entire ecosystems of the damage caused by waste. For Isabella, Baobab is about doing the most while wearing the least. Welcome, Isa, to the Laughs Podcast. Hi, Sam. Thank you so much for having us. It's such an honor for me and the team to be here. So Baobab has grown significantly in the past few years. I remember specifically in 2019, you were part of the last showroom in Cartagena with a very beautiful proposal. And nowadays, the brand is equally beautiful, but twice as large in size and presently at the very prestigious luxury stores. So my first question to you is, what's your strategy? Well, Sam, I believe that the key to everything in life is persistence. If you focus yourself on the journey, if you focus yourself on the path and you build your strategy day by day, um, results will come naturally. Uh, my favorite quote is, the sea is a collection of water drops. It actually sounds better in Spanish. It goes like, el mar es un cúmulo de gotas de agua which basically means every step counts. And um, I think that that is the most important thing that Baobab has taught me, the value behind every little step. For me, entrepreneurship has not only been a path for professional growth, but mostly personal growth. Um, I, I think that the ability to learn how to tolerate failure is the number one lesson I've gotten out of this, well, this crazy ride. And I think Baobab is a true example of Churchill's quote, success is all about going from failure to failure without any loss of enthusiasm. And uh, for me, that was really hard at the beginning, uh, being a lawyer. Fun fact, I'm a lawyer. Well, lawyer by profession, but entrepreneur at, at heart. And I was used to things working out so differently. I was always, um, I always thought while growing up, going to school, and then later on in college, that if you do A, the result is going to be B. If you study for the test, you pass. If you finish first year law, then you go into second, and so it goes, just like a clock. But when it comes to entrepreneurship and startups, it is, well, really quite the opposite. You feel like you're swimming against the stream. You do A, and the result basically is W. There are 100 factors that intervene in the result, most of which you cannot control. So you have to quickly learn to adapt and adjust. And for us, the pandemic was a tipping point. It was like the hardest, most uncertain time we experienced since Bowab started. It was especially difficult for us being a swimwear brand because if you could not even go outside your front door, 
when will you ever wear a swimsuit, basically. So um, that is precisely when we decided that this will either get us into back bankruptcy or it will give us like a shift, like a comparative advantage if we manage to prepare ourselves and, yeah, be the first ones to be ready when this will all be over and the world will wake up again. So we reached out to Camila Malagón, which, of course, you know, our sales rep, and said, hey, we need to present this next collection to international market, to the international buyers. Um, we're taking one step forward in our journey to sustainability. We're moving from a tree planting program for each swimsuit sold to a powerful alliance with Corales de Paz organization to rehabilitate coral reefs throughout the Caribbean Sea. We're just um, helping um, the industry take out garbage from the oceans to make the swimsuit that you're going to take to the beach while helping rehabilitate and liberate entire ecosystems of the damage uh, caused by waste, by fishing nets, by nets, by everything. Uh, so we believe that it was a really powerful storytelling behind the product. And we basically wanted to design a collection that will show all of our mission. So we had cords, like really sailing cords as swimwear straps. We had um, nets as cover-ups. Um, really every piece of the collection shared a story behind each element. We had our Marea, which is our bestseller inspired by the sea and the tide and the movement. And she was like, okay, well... Let me check because I don't even know if there are going to be buyers after all this is over. Um, so. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to ask you. It's really interesting that, you know, you decided to implement this new strategy right at, during the pandemic and really without knowing if, you know, the buyers were going to be receptive. Buyers were not buying. They were canceling orders and, well, you know, like no buy, not buying. Yeah. But yes. this, this is uh, all it takes is either everything or nothing. So, and we have always believed at Bauab that the difficulties are the ones that shape this innovative uh, mission, this strive to something better. So we just like jumped in. We requested a special permit at the Ministry of Transport in Colombia because there were obviously no flights. No one was allowed to get out. Uh, but we had to get to the Caribbean coast in order to shoot our collection. So we said that we were part of a special group that was going to do a photo shoot of a hotel to support the tourism and the economic reactivation of the area and everything. So we took like a 25-hour ride to the Caribbean coast uh, to shoot a video underwater explaining all of our coral reefs restoration program and just to have a model just swimming alongside uh, the corals that we were going to rehabilitate. So we then show it to the buyers and they were like, okay, nice, but I'm not buying swimwear, let alone from a brand that no one in the U.S. knows. But yeah, good luck. See you in the future. Uh, talk soon. But how did you feel after all that hard oh, work and all the those story things? So hard. Like you have no idea. Intermix was the first the first department store that believed in us and said like, okay, I'm going to take a bet on you guys, send over some samples. I was over the moon, literally. 
But then Alexa, who was our buyer at the time, tried all of the cover-ups. And since we have really different shapes and asymmetrical cuts and different silhouettes, she didn't understand how to put them on and said, sorry, I can't accept the brand. Um, we currently only sell online and this will get us tons of returns because people are not going to figure out how to put on this dress. Sam, I have to tell you, I felt devastated. We had put our heart, our soul, our imagination into this collection. And I couldn't believe that a little detail was going to stop us from getting into this luxury department market. Um, Camila was trying to help and she told me, you have to learn to get several no's before you get a yes, even a maybe. But something inside of me just couldn't take a no for an answer at that time. So I told our seamstress, who by the time had a sewing machine at her place, now she's one of our biggest suppliers. Um, she has her own factory. That's another story I'm going to tell you a little bit more about. But I said, hey, we have to reform and reshape and change everything about the way you put on all of the one-shoulder dresses. And we have until tonight, because budget closes and you're done for the season. We finished by 3 a.m. in the morning. And she recorded a video of me trying on the dresses and showing Alexa like, hey, we fixed all of your concerns. Thank you so much for your feedback. And I had her on my Instagram and I sent it as a DM. And I have to say like to this day, I apologize to Cam for making this crazy move. But in the long run, I'm, I'm happy that we did it because she then accepted the brand, placed the smallest order that you can imagine, like, like basically just out of pity. And to make the story short, she left Intermix after nine years of working there. And she sent us a farewell letter saying that she had never seen a brand grow up so exponentially in such a crowded market as Swim. And that she was so happy that she took a bet on us. Because within a year, Baobab had grown 2,250% on Intermix. So our orders were so big that they now ask us to show the collection like 15 days before market. Before market starts, basically. So they can properly allocate the budget. Um, because now the CFO has to approve Baobab's budging budget. Wow, that's that's quite a story. That's really impressive and it really speaks and and it's a great testimonial to what you were saying earlier that you know you you need to give all or nothing and you won in this in this bet and I'm so so happy to hear you know a success story after very difficult times and obviously it's it's really you know when you put your heart and all of your intentions to something um things might come your way you know for us also at laughs and at trevel the pandemic was a silver lining and it was a tipping point and a pivotal moment for our company and, and we were seeing our community suffering from you know trying to navigate the times of crisis and uncertainty and, and it was really chaotic and we were seeing all this reaction to market and buyers canceling orders and everybody just like you know the, the people that depended on physical stores were like what am I going to do now I don't even have e-commerce so definitely the pandemic came to teach us in the retail world and in any other um, occupation I'm pretty sure that you need to be kind of like ahead of ahead of the game or very, ready to react ASAP yeah, to, to these circumstances. Yes, definitely. 
And, but you're not only at Intermix right now. You currently sell at Saks, at Bloomingdale's, at Revolve, at Shawbob. What do you consider essential to penetrate the luxury stores market? Um, I think that you have to have a really clear strategy. Um, our retail par partners like to call Baobab um, like a no-brainer. Um, they called our strategy a no-brainer because I believe that we have a unique design in terms of shapes and silhouettes. In terms of color, we offer a new proposal uh, to be a tropical brand. Uh, we don't have any prints or floral inspo. And in terms of versatility, we focus on this beach to bar, beach to night strategy, um, because having like cover-ups that you can use when you get out of the pool, but you can also wear, uh, wear them as a gown or on a wedding party or even as a New Year's Eve dress has been great. And also, I, I believe that since we have a story behind the project and we have a commitment with sustainability, Baobab is a story as much as it is a product. And I also believe that something that has made us or, or that has helped us penetrate the market is our sharp price point uh, strategy because we want everyone to be able to consider sustainable options for their closet. And um, well, that stri strategy combined with a killer team has made what Baobab is nowadays. Um, but I think you cannot get confused. People often ask me, how did you manage to launch on Saks on Monday, then on Friday, uh, Bloomingdale's, and then the week after open up a flagship store? And that's like, that's definitely not how it happened. This is definitely not an overnight uh, success or this definitely did not happen overnight. We have our sixth anniversary coming up this year. Um, Saks, for example, told us four, four times no before saying yes. Bloomingdale said three times no before accepting the brand. And the launch of the flagship store took almost a year um, because we were so caught up in construction and the budget had to go to finance the reorders that we basically had to stop every now and then the construction and the remodeling of the store. Uh, but I believe that there is a famous quote from Steve Jobs that says, like, somehow, someday, all the dots will connect. And that is what happened that week that everyone saw that we launched two department stores and opened up our first store. Um, but behind all of that was a great struggle. In fact, um, I have a really funny story. When I was back in college and Bawab was at its early stage and I always struggled to find means to finance production and to get the project going. Uh, and then one day, my father was invited to a fundraising event from a politician campaign. A friend of him basically made him buy the ticket to attend to the, to the event. And it was a really expensive ticket because at the event, they were going to ruffle a car, a brand new Mercedes-Benz. But he then realized that he was going to be away on, on a business trip, so he asked me to go so he wouldn't lose what he paid for the ticket. And I said, are you crazy? I don't have time for a political fundraising event. It was on a Wednesday night. I had a final exam the day after. And he said, well, they're going to raffle a brand new car. They're going to raffle a Mercedes. If you win it, you can keep it. It's yours. He obviously never thought I win. He was just trying to make me go. 
But Sam, I like opened my eyes and thought, this is my opportunity to finance Bellwag. I'm going to win that car no matter what happens. You won. No, you have no idea. Like the story is just amazing. I started reading law of attraction books, doing attraction exercise, everything that you can think of, I did. And the day finally arrived, I came to a cocktail party. Everyone was like 65 years old or older, probably. I was all alone there. I didn't know a single soul. I was just waiting on a corner for the raffle to begin. And to make the story short, because believe me, I can tell you 100 details about that night. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I won the car. And the first thought that came to my my mind was, oh my God, the power of attraction is the real deal. But secondly, my father is not going to believe me. He then came back from his trip and said, well, yes, technically the car is yours, but you can't sell it. And I was like, what? He said, in life, you have to learn the struggle behind each accomplishment and yeah, the value behind the process. You can't build up a company from a car that you just won. That's not the way life works. Uh, You can have the car once you graduate and once your project no longer needs it. At the time, that felt like treason to me. I couldn't believe it. I had just won the latest Mercedes. There was, and still, I was back on square one looking for coins inside my bag, inside my pockets to afford packaging. But But you sure went to school in a very nice car. (laughs) (laughs) At least. But now the time has passed. I obviously thank him. This mindset has shaped a lot of values that we have at Bauab nowadays. So, yeah, nothing happens overnight. And I really appreciate seeing the brand grow day by day and not like overnight. Then you really understand the value behind, um, yeah, all of the accomplishments. No, for sure. I mean, this is a great lesson. And I'm, you know, right now it sounds like a funny story, but I'm pretty sure (laughs) that you were, you know, struggling with the idea of how am I going to make it? And the fact that you made it, it's really, you know, it, it kind of like builds up to a very nice, you know, like you were saying, not only the storytelling about the brand, but how did you accomplish to get that up and running? So you designed a bridal line for Saks. Can you share more about Baobab's collaborations and what is the power of these significant alliances? Well, first of all, I have to say that Saks is a very emotional account for me. Because the day they told us we got into Saks was the very same day that my grandma died. But I thank the universe to have given me the opportunity to give her that last joy. Um, I was going out of the office to go and see her when Cam called me and said, we got into Saks this time. We really got in. They loved the collection. They had no feedback. Like, yeah, we're in. And all I could do was cry out of joy. I immediately called my father, who was who always teased me. Uh, he always used to say, "If you're gonna cry every time Baobab gets into the department store, you're gonna cry. You're gonna be crying for the rest of your life." And I was like, "I don't care." And then when Cam called me, I called him immediately. I called him crying and said, "Dad, you have no idea what just happened. We got into sacks." And his answer was like, wow, (laughs) now we both are going to have to cry. And he started crying. And well, it was so emotional. But then I arrived at the hospital to see my grandma, just rushing with this good news. And 
well, by that time she could barely talk, but um, she was so excited that somehow she she hold my hand and gather the strength to ask to ask me, what did your dad say? And I was like, he's already crying all over the place. But then um, three months later, when we were ready to ship and we were about to launch, I told our team, we can't just announce we are on SACS. We have to do a video showing all of the struggle behind, showing all the teamwork that uh, all the process basically from cutting the dress, then to manufacturing it, and then to basically just shipping it to Fifth Avenue and crossing one of our most significant bucket list items, which was Saks. And then Isa Rodao, which is our sales director, was like, yeah, let's do a super exciting video with a hip hop or a rap soundtrack, just announcing, hey, we're now at Saks. You can now find up at Saks. And I was like, no, this is... This is too emotional. We have to share the story as it is. Um, we then chose Cello Suite, which is um, a song from Bach, which one of was, was one of my grandma's favorite. And I believe I owe this to her. She was the one person who taught me the power of believing in your dreams. And as, as I told you before, she always used to say, faith isn't blind, faith is visionary. So we launched this video and the SACS vice president saw it and reached to us saying that she was very moved by the video and that she wanted to congratulate the team on this new partnership um, that we were embarking on. So it was amazing. But two days before launching, two days before launching on SACS, I was walking on the street and I have this horrible habit or always checking my email because I, it's my favorite app on the cell phone. Like you always, you always get good news on the email. And I was walking on the street and I saw an email with a subject that says, uh, Baobab Sachs Gown Wholesale Opportunity. And I was like, what? My heart stopped. I opened the email and it was a message from the gown and night dresses department saying that they have seen the cover-ups on Intermates and on other retailers and that they wanted to have them on the department, basically gown department. And she wanted to ask if you will be interested. I literally dropped my phone. I replied instantly, hey, we actually do sell at Saks. Uh, we're actually launching tomorrow, but with the swim department, um, I leave our buyer in copy to see how we can move forward. And Anna, who's our buyer, our swimwear, was joking like, hey, back off. This is my brand. They're mainly a swim brand. Um, I'm going to keep writing the orders, but let's just jump on a call to see what we can do together within the two departments. Um, so they basically told us that they wanted to do us to do a special color capsule for them. So we just started brainstorming, showing them our main color uh, palettes are options for the season and then they said well mm, wedding season is coming up there is like a boom in bridal right now because people haven't been able to get married in two years so how would you feel about doing an exclusive bridal capsule for Saks? are you up for the challenge and Sam I had to mute the zoom call and just look at my team and scream out of joy and then like very professionally turn the microphone back again and say, of course, we're up for the challenge. 
then we hung, hung up and started jumping around the office. We hadn't even launched yet, and they were already like asking us to do an exclusive bridal capsule. So we said, okay, this has to be huge. So we set up a like a wedding venue on our flagship store to shoot this video, to shoot like a video of the entire Baobab for Zach's bridal experience. So we got flower arrangements, we had a cake, we have the table setting. Um, we even reached out to Sterling, which is a very traditional jewelry store in Colombia and said, hey, we're shooting a video for a bridal collection for Saks. We need you to lend us a diamond ring. I repeat, it is for Saks. And they said, okay, <laughs> if it's for Saks, uh, we can do it, but you have to sign an, an insurance policy and make a deposit until you, you return the ring. And we were like, okay. Um, then we had like two bodyguards outside of the store, like guarding the ring. And then before returning it, all the girls at the office, including myself, obviously, were like trying on the ring and saying, no, it fits me better. No, it fits me better. Um, but then uh, the video was amazing. We launched it and I always get so nervous about seeing it online. So I always prefer not to. And they, they, the team starts telling me, it's selling out, it's selling out. Like, oh my God, I can't believe it. So yeah, that's basically our communication strategy behind every project, like do a splash, like a community boom of what's happening. Not only saying, uh, we're now available at Saks, we do a video telling the whole story with a, with a very moving and touching song. And we put up all, this whole wedding um, to announce that we are now doing uh, an exclusive capsule for Saks. I remember seeing that video and I remember specifically the cake. So I do know what you're talking about. Oh, you remember about. the cake and not the I, ring? Okay. It must have been a really, uh, I don't know. It must have been something like I'm, I must have been hungry. I don't know. My attention was focused on, totally on the cake. Um, but yes, I mean, it's, it was, Clearly, it's it's a very it's a high note on on your trajectory and in your career. So, it's a great story. And I want to talk about opening a store. I mean, it's a huge step for a brand, especially for the first store, you know. And I've seen pictures of your beautiful aesthetic. It's just a very specific and beautiful space. What were you like? How did you think of this space? Obviously, and what would you recommend to small brands that are evaluating the possibility? of opening their first store, especially when, you know, right after COVID, obviously people were shifting more towards digital rather than opening, you know, um, a space where, you know, customers were not going in and shopping physically. Yeah, well, it has been a challenge, um, but the idea behind our flagship store is more for us in our case uh, more like a funding idea. When you depend so much on a wholesale strategy, um, you start, your next worry is your cash flow. That starts to become your first problem. Um, so it was basically a financial decision for us because what happened was, especially with Revolve, uh, we start getting these huge reorders because they place an order and put the sales just on pre-order. They put it up online. And everything started selling out before we could have even shipped. So we started getting these huge reorders and they were even bigger than the original orders. And we haven't even been able to pay for the first production. And then you're told to produce five cents more and the payment terms are net 
30, net 45, sometimes net 60 after you ship. So without even being paid for the first shipment, we have to finance these huge uh, reorders. So we had to like structure a very solid strategy for a B2C channel that enable us to receive payments in full and pay for those huge production. And that is when Casa Baobab came into plans. Casa Baobab is house Baobab. Um, and it's really funny because the construction took almost a year. All of the budget that we had for remodeling this house and that were going to be used to remodel everything uh, had to be uh, allocated to the production and reorders. So every other day the construction was paralyzed. Um, we basically had a uh, budget for fabric or for bricks, not for both. And the architecture that designed the store used to tease me all day long because I used to say all the time, we need this SAP, SAP, SAP. But when it became, and when it came to us paying, it was like, yeah, um, we are waiting on Revolve to pay to move forward. Uh, let's check next week if we can pay for all of the materials. And yeah, well, we finally launched it on October 18th of last year. Um, and we started remodeling it on February. So our initial plan was to have it ready for spring break, but we didn't have in mind that the orders were going to come and be so big. But yeah, it has been a great experience for us. It has uh, sharpened our strategy for a B2C selling channel. And the idea behind our flagship store was to enter our brand universe. Since Bauab is the destination and resort brand uh, and Bogota is the very cold city, we just wanted the customer to feel like they were traveling somewhere else. And nature has always been our main source of inspiration, but specifically for the store, the inspo was the location that we chose for a spring summer campaign uh, photo shoot. We went to the most incredible and breathtaking place I believe there is on earth. It is called Lensua Marenenses. It is in Brazil. I, I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly in Portuguese. But we just wanted to recreate that feeling that you get when you are standing in front of these huge dunes. So the walls have this sand finish. There are no corners. So we can, like, um, yeah, do a resemblance of the curves of the dunes. The store also has really high ceilings. So we could also feed our palm trees, we have a pool, and my favorite part, we have a cocoa bar. Um, that is an activation and space inspired by our zero waste policy. Because um, as you know, our packaging is a cocoa bag that you can later on use as a beach bag so you leave no trace of plastic. Uh, but we were using the coconut shell. So we decided to create a cocoa bar to use um, the coconut water and the fruit to sell it as piña colada, eh, coconut lemonade, acai bowl, and many other options at our cocoa bar. So this is what we call sustainable innovation, creating new experiences while coming up with an idea to generate less waste. Well, definitely, it's, it's really interesting to see how you thought of this in-store experience and, you know, the importance of providing your customers with very memorable shopping moments and i mean i do think that going back to your earlier point um yeah everybody thinks that it's like oh my god you got into Saks, you got into revolve intermix shop bob bloomingdale's but yeah the financing part it's really hard yeah, it's um 
to, to all of a sudden be able to produce for all these stores, all these, um, you know, reorders. And like you said, payment terms are not, you know, they, they don't pay you up front. And then on top of that, um, building your store, has this store helped you um, cash flow wise to, to keep on, you know, producing super large orders or have you renegotiated payment terms with these retailers? Well, both. Both, but basically our B2C strategy has been like also another tipping point at Bauab. It has enabled us to grow significantly and to not depend so much on those payment terms and just be able to receive cash flow and payments in advance. So it, it has been a great strategy to combine like a wholesale strategy along with a, a strong B2C channel. Do you do these projections or is there do you have someone in your team that you know kind of comes up with those formulas for your business to thrive are you the creative the mastermind both <laughs> i believe like both i'm quite creative director even though i'm not a designer but i consider myself more like on the business side of fashion i i mean i'm a general manager so i'm in charge of yeah, uh, production and this uh, strategies, ideas. I also have a very powerful team behind. We are 24 people now. And yeah, we have five different departments at Bauwap. One of my favorite is our sustainability department that started this year. I actually have a question about that because um, sustainability has been a priority for your brand ever since day one. And you've told us a lot of great things that you've done in order to um, avoid the traceability of plastic and, you know, the, the importance of you guys doing um, partnerships and in, in to protect the coral reefs and all those um, strategies that you've implemented to not only tell a story, but because you believe you, you really believe in that, um, you know, the importance of, of, of being a, a very conscious brand on ter in terms of sustainability and you were saying, obviously, about the shopping bags made with coconuts. That's a, a phenomenal way to to reuse, um, you know, the elements that you that you create things with. So, but how do you manage to scale your business while remaining um, what I now know that the term ASAP is more is more goes to as sustainable as possible? How do you how do you keep being sustainable? why your brand is escalating and growing so much? Uh, I have to say, I love that new meaning. Uh, SAP is one of my most used up words. They even call me Alaska at the office, which is short for Alascarreras in Spanish, which means I'm always <laughs> in a hurry. I'm always running to get things done. So I'd love to hear that SAP now has a more profound meaning. Um, I believe, Sam, that we can accomplish that by staying true to our essence. Mm. At the beginning of this year, when we were reflecting on Bauwap's growth and the lessons that the previous year had left us, I understood that if you get caught up on resolving all the day-to-day -day issues and problems, you can easily get loose. Uh, you can lose sight of the bigger picture. In this case, I don't mean bigger picture like your strategy or your long-term plan. I mean bigger picture in terms of what's our mission and what's our true purpose on this earth as human beings. So at the end of the day, does it really matter the retail stores that Baobab sells in or 
rather what impact we can make in the world, what realities we can change, how we can help the industry as a whole to be more sustainable. And basically that is when we decided to create an independent sustainability department and bring Gabriela Jaramillo along. She's an amazing fashion activist and environmental engineer. She came to oversee all of our sustainable projects and alliances that we had at the moment with the nonprofit organizations. But then we started brainstorming and we had a board full of ideas of what we wanted to do, what we wanted to accomplish in terms of sustainability. And that is when we decided that it was this was something bigger than the brand itself. And that is when we decided to start Up Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization. And we have like three main core values, three main projects. First of all, planet, obviously. Because at Bauab, we have a zero waste policy. Um, but that is a more challenging commitment coming from a swimwear brand. Because since the lycra waste is no longer recyclable, you can turn bottles and fishing nets into fabric, but you cannot go the other way around when it comes to lycra because it has elastan. That is the very same material that allows the fabric to stretch and to adjust perfectly to your body and to prevent the garment from falling down when you get out of the water. And it basically makes the swimsuit perfect. But when you mix recycled polyester with elastan, you can no longer divide them to recycle the polyester that's left behind on the fabric. So that's a really big issue for the industry. And since nowadays there is no other alternative to using lycra, we decided to take action. So in the short term, we designed a project that we called Cascade, which, which means basically provide straps and fabric pieces that we no longer need because they are too small, so they cannot even fit a top or a bottom. But we decided to display those fabric straps and those waste on our flagship store every, fi every Friday and invite artists and creatives and entrepreneurs um, people from our industry with just one basic message. Transform textile waste into art and turn waste into iconic pieces. And Sam, you are not going to believe, like you're going to be surprised when you see what this young designers, entrepreneurs have created with our Lycra. Like imagination has really no limits. But then, uh, getting back to the foundation, um, we wanted to contribute more to the whole industry. And we decided that this wasn't enough. And if by now, if by now there is not a more sustainable option, we definitely have to generate it or at least contribute to generating this new alternative. So we partnered up with Universidad de Los Andes, which is the university I attended to, um, to finance and sponsor academic research on biomaterials and basically a solution for a problem that affects the whole industry, not only Bauab, it affects all of the swimwear brands throughout the world. So um, we just want a finance project that has research on how to reprocess lycra or textile waste or specifically solve this problem. So if you're a student or a teacher or a scholar who has a thesis or a research project, that is focused on those issues, you can go on a web page and apply to our program, to our funding program. And basically that's the planet and the environmental proposal from uh, Baobab Foundation. 
But then we have the second project called People. And we believe that one of the best ways to empower people, especially uh, from a socioeconomically disadvantaged background, is basically to teach them new techniques that allow them to be more appealing to the job market. So if you connect that need with the other need of a manufacturing country, such as Colombia, you will then discover that there are a lot of grants, a lot of factories, a lot of workshops that are struggling to find people that work with their hands, that know how to sew. Um, but sadly, the reality in Colombia is that many people cannot afford to st study the art of sewing because they're household mothers or they live on the minimum wage income or they basically can quit their job to go learn a new technique that will eventually allow them to earn more. And that is where Baba Foundation comes along. We design a project to pay people to learn, just to learn to manufacture high couture garments and swimsuit, obviously. And at the end of the course, they get a job offer from one of our workshops. We currently have 75 vacancies, but if they also want to start a workshop of their own, we pay for those sewing machines, we sign the lease agreement on this space they wish to rent, and they can later on pay us with production. And we, yeah, they basically become part of our value chain and turn into our one of our suppliers. And this is how we empower people from the Power Foundation. Um, this is a very exciting project that we have started this year. Um, we're doing our pilot program in alliance with Fundación Interno, which is a nonprofit organization that helps people that just got out of jail get a second chance in life. So that's our first target. And then finally, just to finalize what Baobab Foundation is all about, we have community. Because we understood that if we wanted to make profound changes, we had to do an alliances with agents that were outside the fashion industry. So we wanted to start with our neighbors from Casa Baobab, from our flagship store. So we started reaching out to restaurants, stores, bakeries, law firms that were on the block to design this, what we called a mini zero waste city. So we want to coordinate recycling projects. We want rainwater harvesting techniques and basically just make changes through this collective action. I mean, I have no words. Um, just hearing not only your accomplishments, but your commitment to making things better and people better. Um, how do you manage to do all of those things, um, you know, from, from a very small, I mean, it's still a very small brand. It's only six years old. <laughs> well, I think that you have to think big. Um, and I have my grandma to thank it for, because since day one, she taught me, I don't want to cry. <laughs> she taught me the importance of believing in your dreams. Um, she has a very beautiful quote that says, faith um, isn't blind, faith is visionary. So from day one, Bawab started as, as what it is nowadays, even though we were an Instagram brand, even though we were small at the beginning, we always had like a strategy to see how every step that we took, how every little detail, how every activation, how every communication strategy were going to lead us where we are now. And this is just the beginning. So that's how we've been doing so far. 
Well, you're true visionary. I want I want to, you know, say that your grandma really planted that seed in your head and you've been, you know, working really hard to accomplish all these visions and dreams that you have for yourself, for your brand and for the planet and for the people in Colombia and your employees. So really congratulations. And speaking about, you know, being a visionary, you are about to travel to Paris for something very special for Baobab. And I don't want to spoil anything, but could you share something in anticipation to our community? Well, Sam, I'm holding my tongue here because I can't say anything. All I can say is that it's a huge and never before seen action from the brand. The excitement keeps me up at night. I can't wait to have you there and to basically let everyone know uh, what's coming soon. But that's all I can say for now. Okay, okay. So we'll be... Um obviously at the Latin American Fashion Summit and all of our communications, we'll let you know as soon as we can um, this little secret about the brand. And I want to thank you, Isa. Really, it, this has been a delightful Friday to speak to you today and hear more about your story and hear more about your dreams and visions and hard work. It's been truly inspiring. And I'm pretty sure that for our community as well, it's been great to hear. Um, it's always good to, to hear when, you know, other brands and their examples and there's, you know, kind of like, I don't want to say that it's a, an example that they need to follow. Everybody has a different strategy and whatever worked for you might not work for others, but just hearing the trajectory, how it started, how you have been building all these processes and, 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 and working really hard towards where you are right now. It's really, really inspiring for all of us here at Labs and our community. Um, we really thank you for your time and wish you nothing but the best and keep growing, keep being a very successful brand. We love seeing you. Every time you announce you're in a new retailer, every time you announce a collaboration or a special capsule, my heart really, you know, gets super happy for you because I've seen you grow and I've seen you work really hard towards it. So congratulations to you and to all of your team back in Colombia. And we can't wait to see you grow and grow even more. Sam, thank you so much for those kind words. Thank you so much for for bringing us along. It's such a privilege, such an honor for Baobab to be part of this community. So thank you so much. No, thank you. And have a wonderful weekend and we'll see you very soon. Thank you so much for listening today. As many of you know, LAPS is trying to bring the most powerful insights to our community right now. Please let us know what you guys want to hear. Send us an email or DM us. Thanks again. Stay healthy and safe.